service again. Hope that's really been an insightful series for you. Hope you've learned new things and importantly, hope you have been able to search these things out yourself. And of course, hold on to that if it's true. So yeah, like I said, this will be the final episode of the review series. I'm very sure it has been um, an educative and insightful journey so far. And yeah, we'll come to the end. <laughs> Alright, last week we talked about how the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and all that came to play as regards to the Jews and uh, since the days of John the Baptist, why the church had suffered violence in, from the angle of the Jews and from the angle of we the Gentiles. So it extends to us up until now. That we looked at that. Um, we also looked at um, basically what to do that was the church being a structure given by God and definitely define church according to how Christ defined church. So, yeah, which means anybody who believes that Christ is in the time can come up with it. And then we went a step further. We saw, and um, that's at that Matthew 21, we saw where God said, and Jesus now, Jesus said that the kingdom of God has been taken from the, um, from the Jews and taken to the other people as read by them, which means the other nation, the Gentile nation. So the Gentile contains, consists of every other form of living thing or creature on earth that are not there is no issue. So taken to the Gentile nation because of the stubbornness of the Jews and how they were not open to see the new move of God since the days of John the Baptist. But, so we are now we talked about how that um, how the tradition happened and then where you and I can come in, accept Christ and save and become an heir of the kingdom. Um, sorry and become the heir of the kingdom. So, uh, <clears throat> we also mentioned something like reason, uh, which was the fact that now that we are saved, now that we have the opportunity to come, we have the structure still exists, it doesn't change nonetheless. The structure was the same that you have to believe in Jesus as the Savior, as the one, the Messiah, the anointed one to save or save us from our sins. So, that structure still remains that if you want to enter into, into the kingdom, you must conform to this structure, you must follow this structure, this pattern of future so forget we're talking about the review series and we are narrowing down to the kingdom so we are we are talking about church as a structure <coughs> excuse me so to get people into the kingdom it's very important that we understand that that structure cannot be compromised so if the structure is compromised it cannot be the kingdom and then we look at um how paul came into the equation since the gospel has been open to all the gentiles not the exclusive right of the jews any longer it has been 
giving the Gentiles have been given the opportunity to come into the kingdom, and God had to commission someone or a messenger for that, and that's the name of Apostle Paul. So um, our big brother Paul was the one commissioned, and we looked at um, I think Act twenty six where Paul was giving the testimony. Or yeah, let, let's check it out. Let's start from here today. So Act twenty six. Acts 26 from verse 15. Right. And said, Why, Lord? This was a conversation when God accosted Paul and went to Damascus to persecute the church. The church there, the Christians there. And um, I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you, who you are persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you to serve. As a minister and as a witness, that is to testify with authority. Now you can see that word authority coming up again. Alright. So not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. So he has seen a couple of things. You know. So God was saying it's all just limited to the things that you have seen. This thing is progressing. What I'm going to reveal to you for the body of Christ, for the Gentile nation, is progressing. He says things I will um, things in which I will appear to you. Then choosing for myself and rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles. Then the Gentiles were talking about to whom I am sending you to, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and we have all that. So you can see that Paul specifically was sent to the Jews. Was sent to the Jews because at that point the gospel had left the hand or the terrain or the exclusive right of the Jews to the Gentiles. So Paul was sent to the Gentiles. As you can see, this is the testimony of, of Christ. Like that. You are using a um, red letter Bible, you see it in red text. So it was this was God's word to Paul. Now, that was just to establish that Paul was sent. Well, um, let's let's take a look at a couple of events that happened um, to see how the Jews were still you know rebuffing and being stubborn about this whole thing. So let's check out Acts 19. Acts 19. Acts 19, um, <clears throat> let's see from verse 8. Right. Okay, um, let's read 8 to 12. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he went to the synagogue for three days. This is Paul now. For three months, sorry. Spoke boldly, reasoning and arguing with and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So, this is Paul persuading the Jews because the Jews were the ones in the synagogue that. Came together in the synagogue, so it was persuading them about the kingdom of God. <laughs> I think, okay, we'll come back there. Come back there. But when some were becoming ardent and disobedient to the word of God, discrediting and speaking evil of the way, so the way here is used as a noun referring to Jesus as the way, so um, speaking against Jesus the way before the congregation, Paul left them. I mean, almost the same thing Jesus did. When he kept on and speaking or showing them the kingdom of God, don't forget this is kingdom of God, but this is in the book of Acts, that of the apostles. So we, there was no real separation of kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven as we have in Matthew. So um, Paul left them, talking, taking the disciples with him, and went on holding daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tainos. So 
the people who converge here were the Gentiles. He was first at the synagogue for three months preaching, reasoning with them, showing them from scripture why this should be the way to enter the kingdom of God. And don't forget, these people thought it was an exclusive right for the Jews. So when Paul is coming to tell them, nice to the Gentiles, nice to everyone, and this is the way you can come in, they were, they were saying, no, it can't be. I mean, they have 50 50 shoulder part, they can't bring it down. So, they, 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 Paul has to leave them just like Jesus did. So, I mean, I had to take the gospel of God, of Christ away from or God from them and I had to extend it to the uh, Gentiles. So, Paul did the same thing and he went to this and to the Earl of Tainos, where the um, instead of the synagogue, that means the Earl of Tainos, where the Gentiles, the other nations apart from the Jews, were, were together, were fellowshipping, or were meeting. And he started reasoning. Let's read it let's further. This continued for two years. I mean, only spent three months <laughs> with this. Tough guys, the Jews. But yeah, with the Gentiles, he spent, he continued for two years so that all the inhabitants of the West Coast province of Asia Minor, um, Jews as well as Greeks, heard the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. So he was able to, he spent more time with the Gentiles, he was able to reason with them. So he came up and said, okay, so this is where Christ wants us to do. Let's read from the prophets, let's read from Isaiah, let's read from Joel, let's see what Christ has planned for us and everything, and the way he's asking us to get it, let's reason together. And there's someone reason and says, uh, um, Brother Paul, I don't think, um, what do you think about this? Can you explain further? And he was able to explain by the help of the Spirit of God. He was able to explain to them. and. Now, the decision was still for them to make, he didn't force them to do any of that. So, he only explained that they were ready to listen, or like the three months he spent with the Jews. And that's just due them to their, to their faith, as it were. So, this still shows the stubborn, stubbornness um, of the Jews up until today to accept Christ, um, or to accept the dimension of the kingdom of God, which includes the spiritual aspect of things. Now, okay, so that established. There is this. There are different school of thoughts about the gospel that Paul preached. Some people argue that Paul did not preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Some people argue that Paul um, only preached the gospel of um, of grace. And um, that that um, school of thought came from this Acts twenty, the next chapter. Next chapter. So from verse, let's start from 24. But I do not consider my life as something of value or dear to me, so that I might, so that I may with joy finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify faithfully of the good news of God's grace. So the meaning of the word gospel is good news. So yeah, you can a lot of people hold on to the scripture and say what Paul preached was the good news or the gospel of God's grace. He didn't preach the gospel of the kingdom. As it were, and um, a lot of people have chosen to just exclude themselves from this school of reasoning because of how a lot of our brethren have abused what grace is to see that as a license to sin, not as a reason to be to be stronger in faith. But however, I put it to you that Paul could not have preached the gospel of grace without having the foundation of the gospel of of the gospel of the kingdom itself. And you read further now. Let, let's read further down together. The gospel, the goodness of God's on the grace, which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. So, even the gospel of grace he was preaching, he says, This grace that I'm preaching just makes us free of the guilt of sin. Don't forget, I'm reading the Amplified Version, which explains things a little further. And um, if you have not listened to previous um, 
episodes of this particular series. Please, I will enjoy it to do that. That I'm building on the foundation as we need. So, a proper recap was done, and uh, also a message of speed before then. Then, last week Sunday, we also talked about um, we laid the foundation basically as regards our church is a structure that Christ created. So, to do a lot of good to listen to those before you come to this because I'm building up on that. So we are still following this amplified version. And it says um the amplified version explains grace here which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. And we fully know you check through the book of Matthew and the Gospels that eternal life is really granted to people who are kingdom. So it's a kingdom gift, it's a kingdom privilege to have eternal life. So Paul was just saying, I've come to preach to you grace. But this grace, what it does is it makes us free of the guilt of sin. And don't forget, last week that we talked, we, um, we said that what Christ, the dimension John brought to the kingdom and Christ enforced or Christ you know, expanded on was the part where he, talked, um, where he brought in the spiritual concept, which is being free from sin first before establishing the physical reign of Christ here on earth. And yet, Paul is saying, the grace which makes us free from the guilt of sin. That is, what, Christ, what Paul was just saying is, there is the kingdom. Now, the kingdom has come to the Gentiles and is now open to everyone who wants to join. But the entry point has to be by grace, not by works or not by anything else. That should be by grace. Now, this grace, what does it do? It makes us free from the guilt of sin. The very first thing Christ came to do, the very first thing and the point in which the Jews missed out on God and the message of John, it was to first free man from sin before the establishment of the physical kingdom because it would just be a waste of time if we established the physical, um, the physical kingdom without bringing or saving man from sin and we define what sin, um, sin was or sin is kathar which means not fulfilling the purpose not meeting up to the purpose of why a thing was created so man was not meeting up to the purpose and the reason why he could not do that was because he had already lost authority and we explain authority like I said to be the right to rule and which emanates or comes from the part where man was created in God's image. So if he needed, if he needed, um, if he needed to operate that authority, he still needs to be connected to Christ. So since he chose regarding of Eden to define his own good and bad, then he moved away from God, he disconnected away from God, or disconnected from God. So that gave put him in a position where he did have the authority to you know enact the kingdom mandate, the dominion and all that that. Christ intended, which in summary you can say to an heaven here on earth, and that's why the Lord's Prayer has to reflect that that will be done on in um that will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. So that was God's plan to make earth the annex of heaven. So um, man already felt that, and God was like, let's you know, save man from sin first. Let him get connected back to God, so that he does not fall back to that trap. Even when Christ, if Jesus comes here on earth and that bridge has not um, that gap has not been breached then definitely we can be sure that man will still be sinning because the mission of sin is to miss out on the target that means the authority has never been restored back to man even if Jesus should establish the physical kingdom so Jesus came ahead you know, um, came from John came, John was the forerunner then Jesus also came to show that the physical kingdom for it to be effective for it to serve purpose for it to be an annex of heaven it has to, be, it has to start from the point where you are connected back to the source then you have authority they are saved from sin, they are saved from missing the whole point of creation and then can continue with the plan. So the first thing he says grace will do here is which makes us free from the guilt of sin and gives us eternal life, which is only found in the kingdom. <clears throat> so um, school of thought has it that um, Paul preached the grace which lets with lasciviousness or the grace that accommodated um, sin 
to or make sense to try. It's not balanced because even when Paul was talking about grace, which is freedom from sin, or <clears throat> excuse me, freedom from um, the oppression of sin, as we have it, he was saying it from the standpoint of this thing as to you know this grace I'm preaching to you that makes you free is also has also made you to be heirs of Christ has also made you to be subject of the kingdom. So you have to, uh, you can't preach the gospel of grace in one hand and not talk about the kingdom of God. So the gospel of grace is just, you know, the entry point to the kingdom. That means in the kingdom there are still rules and regulations to keep and guide you. So it didn't, it's not a permission to sin. That's why, you know, shall we then continue saying that grace may abound? The understanding is, you can't say because of grace you continue to sin. Because grace is not even premised on sin itself. Grace is to take you away from that sin, which is what the kingdom is all about. To save man, to annex heaven and God's purpose. So, grace in itself is only operational or effective based on the foundation that you have to be a kingdom mandate. You have to be, you have to conform to the image of Christ, as we have in Romans 12. So, the aim was to conform to the image of Christ. Him. That's the aim. So grace is just the entry point, and grace is the license to enter into the kingdom. And grace is the enabler. It's not just license. So how that you have accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, grace also enables you to live above sin. That is, live a life that is pleasing to God. So grace welcomes you or serves as the entrance, and grace gives you the codes of conduct through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So Paul did not just preach the gospel of grace alone. The gospel of grace is only effective. As long as it's key to what Christ came to establish on earth, and don't forget that the gospel of grace is also the expansion or explanation of what Christ meant as church, being a structure. That as long as you believe in Jesus Christ being the Savior, then you are belonging to the kingdom. But how then do you believe? How then do you get to that stage by believing His death and resurrection of His Son Jesus Christ? So that um, that is more or less the expansion. So Paul was just helping us understand this and. Yes, a lot of people still have the idea that it should be that if Paul was really preaching the kingdom of God, it should be that it should be the same words as John and Jesus used as we saw in the last episode, which was saying, um, um, repent and, and for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, he can't, he can't preach it that way because now the kingdom of God is no longer at hand. He's already with us. And don't forget, we read Hebrews 9, where we see that the testament is only effective after the death of the testators. Um, testator, um, testator. Now, Christ had already died. The one who was holding that covenant. Now he had already died. That means that covenant, which is called New Testament, can be in effect. Can be in effect. So Paul was on that, it was in that dispensation. So he had to preach that okay, the kingdom of God is no longer at hand, the kingdom of God is here. So the next step is how do you get into the kingdom? So he had to he had to, by the spirit of God, had to introduce the concept called grace, because it's true grace, not by anything we do. Not by our self-righteousness, that we can enter into that kingdom and we can sustain ourselves in that kingdom. Hallelujah. So you read verse um, 25, it says, And now learning, listening carefully, I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom. So even the kingdom of grace, he went about preaching the kingdom. Hallelujah. So that was just to clarify that ground. That's clarify that ground. So moving on, let's quickly look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And 14. Okay, let's start from verse. Let's just do verse 1 to 4. I think that should capture the whole essence. Now, brothers and sisters, let me remind you once again of the good news of salvation. That is the good news, that is salvation, which I preached to you, which you welcomed and accepted, and on which you stand by faith. So you can see that 
Paul is introducing another dimension that even grace itself, for you to walk in that side of grace, it has to be by faith. So we are saved by grace through faith. So that's where the faith comes in. Hallelujah. He said, um, which are standing by faith. By this faith, you are saved. That is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for its purpose. If you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, just superficially and without complete um, complete commitment. That I know this brings it, um, please bring to light again what Christ was saying in Matthew 16 that the kingdom of God is so very violent, and violence, only the violent take it, um, take it by force. Only people who cherish these things. And we see, um, I think, um, where is that? It's in Titus, where Paul was only saying he counts. His life has nothing, especially for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the kingdom. That means Paul cherished the things about of the kingdom beyond his life himself. So it's only people who see this thing as treasure that can actually benefit or enjoy the things of the kingdom. So Paul is saying here that I have preached this thing unto you. You are saved by um by grace through faith. But however, you have to hold on to it. And that's why we see later on, right? Paul said, um, we should contend earnestly for the faith that was not delivered unto the saints. So in our time and dispensation, we operate in you know, grace, desire, you know, we are the Gentiles that the the um, salvation, the privilege of salvation has been given unto for this time and space that we're in. So one of our major responsibilities, when we get into the kingdom, when we get into the structure God has created, when we enter into it, one of our major things is to gather our faith. Is to defend our faith, to make sure there's no corruption or contamination that enters into it. So that's one of our main responsibilities, what we are going to do. And of course, we are to influence not influence and to the end of populating the kingdom of Christ, the end of populating the kingdom of God as we have it now, so that when the kingdom of everyone comes into play, I mean, we have a lot of people in that kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm using kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, as explained in the last episode. So you need to listen to that. Alright, so for um I passed on to you as of first importance, what I'm reading for the um, Matthew 15, verse 3 now, if I pass on to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to that which the scripture foretold, and that he was buried, and that he was boldly raised on the third day according to which the scriptures foretold. So let's quickly move on to um, Titus, um, Titus, Titus 2, let's do Titus 2, Titus 2, Alright, Titus 2 from verse. Uh, okay, let's just run to verse 11. So we'll take verse 11 through 14. For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to, to all men. Now it has left the dispensation of those Jews. It has appeared to all men. And it teaches us what? To reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensibly, upright and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age which by extension is this age we are living in now this present age that is the grace that has appeared to all men the grace that has appeared to all men which brings salvation as he is teaching us to reject first of all reject ungodliness things that are not according to the precept of the kingdom of god we should reject it and worldly immoral desires attract his um, self-desire lost and, lie, and live sensibly, upright and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in the present age. That is why the idea behind one say forever said cannot be right. Because you accept grace and you think it's a license for you to continue in your um, in your very terrible behavior, your ungodly behavior. That's, that, that's all grace. I mean, 
that is not grace. Grace is only effective if it aligns to the kingdom of God. If it aligns to the principles of the kingdom, the principles that want you to become. Because the whole aim of the kingdom is that we are kings. It's a kingdom of kings. Christ wants us to be exactly as He is to express His image. So it's a kingdom of kings. So unless grace is leading you to that end, then it is not grace. It is not grace. So until grace is made effect to that to that end, then you can't say it is grace anymore. So if you are saying once say forever, say permits you to go about living a very terrible life, then I put it to you that that is not the grace that God through Apostle Paul brought to the um, brought to the Gentiles and to the whole world. That is not the grace. So the grace here first enshrines ungodliness to reject ungodliness. Hallelujah. So reading forward verse 14 now. Who willingly um okay before verse 14, let's read 13. Awaiting confidently, expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf, to redeem us and purchase our and purchase our freedom from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people, to be his own possession, who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. I mean, uh, this this just makes breaks down to being English in KJV. So that is what grace has simply done to herald us, to call us into the kingdom, to call us into the kingdom of Christ. Which you know, last episode we explained more where we come in into the in grasp of things. That's Revelation twenty-one. So grace here that Paul was preaching, he says, is to that end. It is to that end. So if it is not fulfilling it, if it's not driving into that end, then it is not grace. It is something else. It is lasciviousness. It is not grace. So that's to bring concepts to what Apostle Paul preached and to the two sides of the divide that some believe, okay, since grace has welcomed a lot of you know, ungodly things, then I'll just push grace away and you can't enter into the kingdom without grace. It can't be by your work, it can't be by the best of your ability. I mean, the best you can get, as I keep saying, is, is death. Because the wages of sin is death and sin is not as a result of stealing now. No, sin is not as a result of what you're doing. I mean, sin extends beyond you stealing online. Sin extends, is, is, an, is anything you do out of the will of God, out of the purpose God created it for. Because sin itself, as we saw, is katar, which means not being able to fulfill a particular purpose. That is what sin is. So anything you do on that platform of not fulfilling God's purpose is sin. So it doesn't have to be a terrible thing in and of itself. I mean, that's an advanced definition of sin. So it doesn't have to be just limited to that terrible thing. As long as they're doing it and it's not fulfilling, it's not matching up to the purpose Christ created man for, it is sin. Hallelujah. Alright, so we wrap it up quickly. So, um, what do we wrap up with? Um, okay, let's just jump. Let's just jump here to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians. Um, chapter 5 and um, uh, let's go to verse 15. What should we do 14 first? Let's take 14. <clears throat> 14 and 15. Alright. <clears throat> I'm, I'm using this scripture to end because there is this tendency for people to believe that kingdom of God is more or less like slavery. And I put it to you that when um, God was commissioning Paul from the first scripture we today, it was to bring you out of the shackles or bondage of the evil one, Satan, or sin, to the um, gospel or to the kingdom or dispensation of light. So, whether you like it or yes, <laughs> whether you accept being the kingdom of God, by default, you are operating the kingdom of devil. And the kingdom of devil doesn't, be, doesn't have to be something established or so structured. Just as long as you are ruling your life based on the lost 
that is self-desires your self-desires you're dictating everything your life has to do based on self-desire then you can be rest assured without stress that you're operating on that kingdom of devil because all the devil needs is for him to leverage on the lost and then make it you know, an empire which we have seen we saw last uh, um, episode that that's that is what um, devil, devil leverage on when Adam and Eve missing in Garden of Eden and then it became the god of this world that is the system the cosmos and operations of this world hallelujah so um for the love of Christ has compelled us. So um, I, I'm saying this, I'm reading this part so that we can get into the light where we understand what um, it actually means to be in the kingdom. Why you see people like Apostle Paul who are ready to lay down their life. Why we see people, we see the apostles, we see the disciples who are ready to die for the sake of Christ. Why we see men of faith who are ready to sacrifice everything, their clothing, their everything. And how why Christ was saying in Matthew then going forward that um, in Matthew 10, going forward, uh, you read it towards the end and it says, you be ready to lay down all that you have, ready to sacrifice, even to the point of death. We need to see why. Because um, that's from verse 14 now. For the love of Christ controls and compels us, because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he, and he died for all, so that all those who live will no longer live for themselves. But for him who died and who raised, who raised for themselves. So it is a response when you make this decision. And I don't, I don't believe it's a decision you make once when you're just saying immediately you want to, you want to do all that. Yeah, you can have that enthusiasm. You have the first and the push and everything. But when push get, um, when push get, uh, comes to shove, like people want to run away. It's true. I mean, someone putting a knife on your neck. But it is a determination because it is a response to what Christ has done for you. You see yourself in a position that Christ didn't have to die for you, but He died for you. He loved you. So it is the love of God, as you have seen here, that compels you. He does not force you because he starts taking away yourself. So it's the love of God that compels you. That con- um, love of Christ controls and compels us because we have concluded, because we of what Christ has done for us. Christ died for us yet when we are yet in us. So the love of God compels us. That is, gives us a motivation to respond to the things of God, Christ in the form of, um, if I die, I die. All for the kingdom of God. You know, very tough part of the scripture, but that's one part we have to know. You know, when God was sending his disciples out in Matthew 10, verse 5, he says that um, be as doves and be as serpents. Serpent is um, choose your fights. You know, serpent does not just strike, but he has no other option. So serpent is a very shy creature. So not shy in terms of not being able to proclaim the gospel, but be skillful. Don't just run and end, end your life on time. So be skillful in the fights, pick your battles, pick your battles. When it gets to the things of the kingdom, be ready to lay your life. And then it says, be a, um, be a, um, compare us, or it says we should be like a dove. And you see in the Amplified Version, it says, have no self-serving desire. That is, if the desire is true, if, if what comes first is you, not Christ, then at a point, when it gets to the tough parts, you'll be definitely back up. And that's what Christ meant that if you put your hand on the plow and look back, you are not fit for the kingdom. And that is why, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered by it. And only the violent people, the people who see it as something precious, worth dying for, can take the kingdom, can benefit from the kingdom of God by force. I'm sorry, that's to be by force. That's to be with that kind of desire, resolution in your heart that God has done so much for me, and my only response to this is to lay down my life on it too, for the sake of the gospel. And God is saying, whatever you lose here on earth, you will receive multiple. Multiple, even here on earth and even in heaven to come. So, um, in the kingdom to come. So, there is a joy and hope and a desire for us. This is the top part of the scriptures. This is the part where most people don't like to, you know, um, to, to hear, but this is the truth. You have to say it. This is the full counsel of this is the gospel of Christ. So, the gospel of Christ should compel you 
to that point where you're able to sacrifice all that you have. So if that's not compelled in that position, it's, it's, it's not a time to begin, it's not a sin. Just keep experiencing and make sure you understand fully what the love of Christ has done for you. Definitely, it's to the end that it will compel you to respond to this. So finally, um, um, we are done with this series. And so, um, first this point is the story, one of the stories I heard about um, was Abraham Lincoln and during time of slave trade. And I went to a slave camp and he just went there and paid for a particular slave. And then the slave master handed him over and as we were going, he just told the slave, you are free, you are free to do what you want to do. And so like, what do you mean I'm free? I'm a born slave, like, I'm meant to serve. I mean, <laughs> what are you telling me that I'm free? Like, you are free. What do you mean by free? Like, free as hell. Like, if you want to go anywhere, feel free to go. Like, he was a slave, so Christ paid for him. I'm um, sorry, not Christ. <laughs> um, what's his name? Abraham Lincoln paid for him, for his freedom. And told him, I've paid for your freedom, so you are free to do what you do. Then the slave made a request, said, who paid for my freedom? And Abraham Lincoln said, I paid. He said, since you have paid for my freedom, not like I'm deserving of it, not that I've done anything of it, I have chosen in my own right to now serve you, to be a slave unto you. I mean, that explains salvation. Christ saved us from the shackles of sin and death. And he said, we are free. But our response is, since you can do this, not because I'm deserving of it, then my response to be, uh, should be to serve you, to do it. So we are sons, we are kings made servants, purposefully, willingly, not because we are forced to. So it's the love of God that has compelled us to die because we understand what Christ has done for us. And we are only saying, say, God, if you have done this so much for me, then what can I do but to fulfill the kingdom mandate? That brings us to a position where we are heirs of the kingdom, you know, heirs of Christ, or heirs of the kingdom of Christ. So it is the compulsion, it's a compulsion, not a force. Christ is not forcing you to be a servant to you. No, Christ is not forcing you. But if you understand, you get to, you get to a point where you understand the love of God so strong in your heart that you serve God. You, know, you just have to say, God, it's either you or nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's either you or nothing because you've done too much for me. And you keep on doing it. So it's 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 not a um, slavery mentality. It's a choice to serve the kings or to serve the, um, the king's um, mandates, to serve the king, to serve the king for his pleasure. It's a choice I've made because he had, you know, um, before time done that. So uh, I, I think I will just put a pause on it um, for this series and for it um, for the episode today. And this, like I said, this is the final episode. And it's in summary, it's just about rebuilding. We check out Christ's reveals from the beginning. We went down, narrowed it down to man. How man you know, missed it, and how Christ has, over the ages, tried to restore man, tried to restore the authority that was lost to man so that he can fulfill purpose uh, why he was created. And I've seen it up until uh, our time and space, and even a little beyond. So after the rapture, what next, and everything. I've seen a little of that too. So, um, here we are in this time and space where we have seen that the salvation was taken from the Jews and it was expanded to we the Gentiles, as is every other people, every other person who is a Jew. And we have seen what our response should be, and we have seen how grace plays a major part. So, if you are talking about the kingdom, you can't separate it from grace in our time and space because it's grace that brings us to that kingdom. We are not deserving of it, but grace brings us to that kingdom. And grace doesn't just bring brings us to the kingdom, it teaches us how to live right in the kingdom. It teaches us the precept of the kingdom. It teaches us that we should shun ungodly things. You know? So grace is not for lasciviousness. So you can't expect where sin ex- exists and grace also exists. I mean, grace is only valid, it's only made relevant based on the kingdom principles, based on fulfilling the kingdom mandate, which is so that you and I will be like Christ. So it's a kingdom, not kingdom of God's servants, it's a kingdom of kings. 
So, my Bible even says this, as he is now, so he is glorified. That means we are also glorified. So, Christ is, you know, he has worked righteousness in us. He has worked it through salvation. Our duty and responsibility is to work it out with fear and trembling. So, work your salvation out with fear and trembling. It's very expensive. So, in our time and space, where we have found ourselves is that we are enjoying the dispensation of grace. And that's only by the power of God. But it only comes to us through the medium of faith. When we believe things that were not as though they were. So, um, things that are not as though they are, that is calling to existence things that are not physical because they are already spiritual. So, through faith. And it is only our response to such love of Christ is that we accept it and we are ready to carry on this mandate. And um, yeah, the structure is church as defined by Christ or by God in Matthew 16. So, we have to follow that structure. It happens only through grace, by faith. And when we enter into the kingdom, two things. We have to defend our faith. Make sure there is nothing, there is no corruption that gets into the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And then we erode people into this kingdom. Whereas we know that it's still the spiritual kingdom in existence. But we are eroding people now into the kingdom. So when the physical kingdom is established, we have a lot of people in that kingdom. Hallelujah. So as Christians, we are not without hope. There's a great hope for us. So thank you for staying through. Thank you for joining. And this is the first time you can like, subscribe, and please do well to listen to previous episodes. It brings con- context and makes us understand this work. So thank you very much. Um, I think this should challenge us. I, I can't preach everything here. <laughs> I can't preach everything here. But I've just given us a little challenge for us to go and search the scriptures and hold on to the truth. So do yourself the advantage to own your convictions. Thank you. God bless you. See you next Sunday.